Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible, a pad of paper, and a pen. Let's dive in. My name is Josh. I'm a spiritual formations pastor here at Radiant Life Church. And we are continuing in our Mark series today. Uh, last week we did Mark chapters 2 and 3. And today we jump into Mark chapter 4. So if already you want to start turning in your text to Mark chapter 4, that's where we are going to camp out today. But, uh, you know, when, in week one when Pastor Ryan talked about Mark and he gave us some of the context, he said that Mark focuses more heavily on the deeds than the words of Jesus. Uh, today, though, we actually see Mark choose to uh, unpack some of Jesus' teaching, which I want you to wrestle with, whether you're in a life group or just on your own, your study. Why do you think, as you read Mark chapter 4, we'll do a portion of it together today, but as you look at Mark chapter 4, why do you think these are teachings that Jesus uh, uh, inc- that Mark included of Jesus, right? Whereas he primarily focuses on deeds. Here he chose some teachings. Why do you think that is? Maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast tomorrow morning. Uh, JB, make note of that. Maybe we'll, we'll bring that up. But we're going to be in Mark chapter four. And then uh, the name of the message today is How's Your Soil? How's Your Soil? So we're going to start reading together in verse one of Mark chapter four. If everybody's there, uh, what do we have to say? Word? We have to say word. If you're there, say Word. Word. We, uh, we get into the word, so what? I just stole that. You guys do a lot better on that for Pastor Ryan, but that's okay, because he, he came up with it, so you should do better for him. Uh, but hey, we're going we're gonna to read, read together, uh, starting in verse 1. So Mark 4, verse 1 says this. Again, he, referencing Jesus, began to teach by the sea. And a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore. Pause. So there's a really cool set of resources from a place called BiblePlaces.com. I would encourage you to go check it out. You can get some really cool visuals uh, that kind of correlate with the text. So this is uh, a shot of, of some of the geography here, because geography matters. Uh, but right up there at the top of the screen, you see Capernaum. You see Capernaum. Uh, last week when we were in Mark 2 and 3 together, uh, Jesus was in Capernaum. And now you've got the Sea of Galilee on the right-hand side of the screen. And then down here you've got this, what's called the Cove of the Sower. The Cove of the Sower. Uh, there are some scholars that think this is likely where Jesus would have given this message. Now, the reason for that is uh, because geographically, this place is very well suited to large crowds, both capacity-wise and acoustically. So this is uh, that same spot, but looking at the, at the land from the water. So this might have been about, what, you know, Jesus is out here on this water, looking up at that hill. In the 70s, there was a guy, and I can't remember his name, but there was a guy who did an acoustic study of this space. And he, he said, well, how, how well does this work as kind of a, a natural amphitheater? And so he did some testing and, and figured, oh, man, like, really, you could fit uh, a whole bunch of people. Or right? if you look at that road there, in that section of grass below the road towards the top of the screen, he figured you could get about 7,000 people and you'd get a whole bunch more, maybe as many again on the other side of the road. But if you go to BiblePlaces.com, they have an audio recording that is taken from where this picture is taken. 
They've got a guy just sitting there with a, rec- a recorder, and they have somebody down by that tree, you know, so all, all the way down there by the water, and he's just speaking. I mean, he's, he's not, he's not talking like this, but I mean, he's speaking as though he were talking to a group of people, and you can, you can hear it from where this picture was taken. I mean, it's the, like the natural acoustics in this place are really cool. So when we say geography matters, because we're like, how did Jesus, when we say a large group of people, this could have been upwards of 10, 15,000 people that Jesus is speaking to without a PA, without a microphone, just him speaking. It's, it's awesome. So this might have been where he was at the Cove of the Sower. And he taught them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. This is an Arab man in Palestine sowing, right? There are no GPS-enabled tractors. Like, they're out there literally with a bucket of seed throwing it around on the ground. So he says, consider this guy who goes out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it out, and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. Then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. When he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. He answered, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything comes in parables so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and not yet understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. What we see here, uh, and, and not just here, but elsewhere as Jesus speaks in parables, is that Jesus speaks in ways that insiders understand, but outsiders do not. We'll get into that a, a little bit more here uh, in a little bit. But he's, he's saying, man, I'm, I'm going to speak this way because, you know, some of you are going to get it and some of you aren't. And we think, well, that's, that's not cool, Jesus. Why don't you just speak in a way that everybody could understand? But this is a, a theme that we see, and Paul picks it up in, in 1 Corinthians. He says, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but is the power of God to those of us who are being saved. The, the word doesn't change. Right? The message of the cross doesn't change. But for those of us who receive it, this is life-saving power. But for those who reject it, they think, this is, this is, who came up with this system? This is dumb. Right? And, they, and they reject it. Just, just saying that's the way that it is. There are some who are gonna, they're gonna grab a hold of these truths that I'm bringing to you. And there are some that are gonna say, nope. Then he, Jesus, said to them, the, the disciples and those with them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. Everybody say word. Or right, there you go. This is the Greek word logos. Everybody say logos. So this could just mean a word. This could mean the moral precepts of God, a doctrine or a teaching. In John chapter one, verse one, he says the word, the logos, became flesh, right? And he's, he's speaking about Jesus. 
He said this, man, all these things that God has said over the centuries, Jesus came as the physical embodiment of those things is what John tells us in John chapter one. But now it's the same word that, that Jesus uses here. He says, the sower sows the logos. And he says, some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes the word sown in them. Others are like the seed sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word immediately, and again, we've got that, that key word a couple of times here. Remember, immediately, how many times in the book of Mark does this show up? At least 40, or at least 40. We've got a couple of them right here. When they hear the word immediately, they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. That word that we translate, at least in the, in the CSB, they translate welcome it. That's this, this Greek word paradikame. Everybody say paradikame. Paradikame. It means to receive, to take upon oneself, right? To, to adopt as my own, right? So this is the people that they hear the word, they hear the teaching, they hear the moral precept from the Lord, and they say, yes, I'm going to take that on as if that was my own which is consistent with language Paul uses later in the New Testament, right? When he talks about putting on the things of Christ, taking off the old, putting on the new. When Jesus says these people welcomed it, they're taking on this teaching, this word, and they're, they're owning it. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? So I would suggest to you this morning that a key difference between insiders and outsiders is the quality of their soil. So the quality of their soil. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend just a few minutes here this morning talking about, well, what does good soil look like? And now if you're paying attention to what we just read, or, and as you're, as you're looking at the passages, you're like, well, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't say all of those things, Josh. So I want to I say there are a couple of these characteristics that I think we see uh, explicitly in regards to the, the good soil and, and the word that was sown on that soil. But I also think we can look at the other soils and we can kind of take the opposite of some of those characteristics and we can apply that to the good soil. If at the end of this you disagree, well, let's talk about it afterwards. That would be fantastic. Don't, don't take my word for it. But uh, in case you're wondering, like, where in the world did you get all that stuff? So I would suggest that the first characteristic of good soil is it has been tilled up. By the Holy Spirit. Tilled up. How many gardeners do we have in the room here this morning? Oh, only a couple. Only a couple, right? When you're prepping your garden, what's one of the first things that you do every year? You get, you, you get the rototiller going, right? And you're, and you're bouncing all over your yard, like tilling up that ground. Why? Because if, if you just go out there and like chuck the seed on your lawn, like how effective is that going to be as a, as a garden? Not very. Right? You're tilling it all up. You want to churn up that earth. You want to get all the rocks and the roots and all that, all that stuff out. So you till it up. Spiritually speaking, that's what Holy Spirit does. Now, this, this looks like a couple of different things, right? One, uh, 
a while, several weeks ago, Pastor Ryan talked about this idea of prevenient grace. Prevenient grace, this working of the Holy Spirit in an individual's life that actually allows them to come into a place of faith. And Jesus, right? You have, you have passages like this in John 6 where Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, just in case you're ready to leave because you think that we're Calvinists all up in here this morning, just hold on, hold on. And for those of you that don't know what a Calvinist is, you should apply for the Radiant Institute School of Discipleship we talk about that, but just hang on, hang on. We also see this in scripture. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for how many people? Now, this is not in a universal sense, like, oh, hey, everybody just gets in, it's cool. No, we're not, we're not promoting that. But there is this, this thing where it does require a work of God for us to come into relationship with him. But how many people does he want that to happen for? All of them. So there's some tension there. And uh, yeah, we can, we can wrestle with that if you join us in the Institute. But anyways, Holy Spirit tills up the ground. He does that initial work, that preparatory work, so we can actually come into a relationship with Jesus. But then, and then you know, if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you know, anyone else, you, you get to a point where you just feel like, man, things have kind of like, gotten a little bit stale and like maybe that ground is kind of locked up a little bit again and Holy Spirit needs to come in, man, and he needs to kind of like start churning some things up again. Anyone else or is that just me? Okay, maybe you guys are all just like one and done and you're good, but, but I don't, I've had seasons of life where the Holy Spirit comes in and he needs to kind of, man, there's a couple of rocks that are in the way and he needs to, he needs to get those buggers out. So characteristic number one, the soil has been tilled up by the Holy Spirit. Characteristic number two is this is somebody who is receptive to the word. Again, we go back to that Greek word, paradigme. Paradigme. I heard it, but not only did I hear it, I took it on. I received it. I welcomed it. Now, uh, show of hands, who's a parent in the room today? Have you ever had a, and you probably have never had this, because <clears throat> I bet you guys are all like, grade A parents. But, but just in the off chance, you're, you're like me, right? Have you ever had it where you tell your child something and you know they heard the words that came out of your mouth, but then they don't paradigme the things that you said? Have you ever had that situation? I'm just curious. I'm, I'm working really hard to not look at my children. Uh, sometimes we hear things, but it's just the hearing isn't, isn't enough. It's what do you, what do you do with it then? Cause we wouldn't, you know, if our, if our child came to us and, and we said, well, well, did you hear me tell you to take out the garbage? And they're like, yeah, I heard you. We're not like, oh, okay, cool, sweet. They heard me. It's good. The garbage is still sitting there. Take out the garbage. Jesus says this in, in uh, Matthew. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and what? Acts on them. If you want to dig into this, last July, I think July 31 of last year, uh, Rasika did a message all about uh, the wise and foolish builders. Right? But Jesus says, man, if you, want to, if you want to really be in on it, you don't just hear them. 
They actually do what I tell you to do. But some of us, again, you go to that, that, that difference in the ground. Some of us, we've got that hard heart, right? We've got that hard soil that's like, nope, nope. Not going to let that in. Pastor Tony Evans, in his commentary on uh, this chapter, he actually ties this into what we talked about last week, the authority of Jesus. He says, if you reject the authority of Jesus, you are not that good soil, right? Because you've said, I'm not going to accept that. And so you push it away. So that would make you that hardened ground. The next characteristic is that it endures difficulty. You see, as Jesus is talking about the various soils, he says, you've got this, this ground, it's, it's not real deep, it's just the shallow dirt, and the seed lands, and it's like, oh, cool, like it, it pops up, there's some green there. But he says, when the difficulties of life hit, when persecution because of the word comes, he says, they fall away. So one of the things that we are called to is endurance. Jesus says in Matthew 24, but to the one who what? Endures to the end. That's the person that will be saved. And maybe this messes with us a little bit because, you know, you, 30 years ago at camp, you said that prayer and you've just kind of been on, on coast ever since. You've not really done anything with Jesus. Uh, I don't think that counts as enduring. Maybe you got to wrestle with that. He says, man, this is something you've got to actually like work at it. James, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, we referenced him last week. He says this. I actually, I've got another one there at the bottom. Sorry, I jumped ahead. Blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So he says, man, you endure those trials. That's where the blessing comes. And then he says this, which is challenging in the first part of James chapter one. He says, consider it what? Great joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face various trials, show of hands, I just, I mean, you can, you can set humility aside. Show of hands. Whenever difficulties in your life come along, your first response is, hoo-hoo! Anybody? Anybody in the room today? No. Why not? Because, <laughs> because, <laughs> because we don't like trials. We don't like trials, but James, in the inspired word of God, tells us to consider it great joy. And he tells us why, which is cool. Simon Sinek, start with why. James does that. He says, because the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effects, so that you may be more mature and complete, lacking nothing. Consider it joy because these trials that we face test our faith. And that produces endurance. And what did Jesus tell us to do to the end? Endure. James tells us how we can accomplish that. Years ago, my dad actually wrote a song, which is a really weird, this is a passage that's weird, but it was kind of like this upbeat song. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It had like this lounge singer kind of vibe. It's like, dad, you're singing about trials. Like, <laughs> it should be like a metal song or something. <laughs> like, trials. No, I don't know. 
Dad, you can, you can work on the metal version. Uh, <laughs> pure joy. When we face trials, why? Because it, it, it tests our faith. It produces endurance. And that's what we're called to. Next characteristic of soil is we see this resistance to the world. The resistance to the world. In the, in the, the seed that was sown in this thorny ground, when Jesus brought that to application, he says, these are the people that they, they take root and they're like, oh, they're excited about their faith. But then, man, things get in the way. They, the deceitfulness of wealth, all of these things kind of choke out that growth to where now there's no fruit being produced. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. We should not be a disciple who is shaped by cultural values. We should be disciples who are shaped by Jesus. But unfortunately, that's not always the case, right? And, and we see this uh, unhealthy influence of the world. But we see that the, the seed, the word that actually grows to fruition is one that resists this. It's resilient against those things. In James, again, we're, we're, we're going to a lot of James today. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. You, you can't eat your cake and have it too, spiritually speaking. You, you can't keep this hand on Jesus and try to still grab all the stuff that the world has to offer over here. It, it doesn't work that way. He says that, that friendship with the world, actually, that's hostility towards God. We don't want to do that. John says this in one of his letters. Everyone who's been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? He says, man, you want to overcome the world? You anchor that faith firmly in who Jesus is. Again, connect this to last week. If he's the son of God, do you think he is, is worthy of obeying? You think so? I, I, would, I would suggest yes. The next characteristic is this resistance to the devil. That first seed that fell on the hard soil. Wait, what does it say? It says the devil comes and he just snatches it away. There is an enemy of your soul. There's an enemy of my soul who actively, actively, He's not, he's not sitting in a, in a lawn chair somewhere thinking, oh, you know what, if, if I have a chance today, maybe I'll go out and see if I can mess some people up. No, he is actively pursuing people to, to keep them from the kingdom. And if you're in the kingdom, he's got an agenda to take you out. Right? He's, he's not passive. Now, show of hands, this did not go over well in first service, but any, any fans of C.S. Lewis and the screw tape letters in here, okay, we've got more in this service. You are my people. You are my people. So C.S. Lewis, brilliant writer, brilliant thinker, he wrote a book called The Screw Tape Letters. The premise of this book is that you have Screw Tape, who is a, a senior demon, and he is writing to his nephew, Wormwood. Who is a, he's kind of coming up through the ranks. And Wormwood has been assigned this human being to try to take out a commission. And Screwtape, the elder demon, is giving him advice. How do you, how do you trip up this guy? 
right? It's brilliant read. If you have, if you have an opportunity, grab it, read it. Really good insight into humanity, really good spiritual insights, and just awesome. But uh, came across this, this meme that I thought, you know, was good. It says, my dear Wormwood, disregard everything I wrote in my previous letters. Just get your patient to download TikTok, and it'll do all our work for us. <laughs> your affectionate uncle... Screw tape. There we go. <laughs> if you're angry about that, uh, you can send your letters to Ryan Bibb. <laughs> 907 North Nottawa, Sturgis, Michigan. They're gonna <laughs> I'm sure TikTok has some redeemable value. I just am not sure what it is. But anyways, there's this resistance to the devil. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians. He says, but if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Again, this, this idea that there are some who they can't seem to see it. Like, man, why don't they get this? He says, in their case, the God of this age, the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He says, the devil is actively blinding people to the truth of Jesus. This is why sometimes maybe you, you've heard us pray this, right? We pray that, that God would bind the spirit that blinds because the devil is out there and he, he wants to keep this veil over people's eyes. So we've, we see though that the seed that takes root, they're, they're, not, they're not buying into that. They're like, nope. They're like, I'm not, I'm not gonna listen to those lies of the devil, because that's how the devil works. He lies. Right? Scripture says he is the father of lies. Like that's, that's his native language. That's what he does. Jesus says the truth sets us free. So the devil lies. How do we overcome those? With the truth. With the truth. Just uh, here at Radiant Life, we have our, our freedom prayer ministry. And that's one of the focuses of that prayer ministry. is helping us recognize where are we living into lies of the enemy in our lives. And what's the truth that we can replace that with? And that's how we find freedom. Is that a fair representation, Karen? You should go uh, every second Wednesday of the month. You just missed it this month. But every second Wednesday of the month, we have an orientation for our freedom prayer ministry. I would highly uh, encourage you to, to check it out because uh, we don't want to be living in two lies. Peter says this, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around. He's not sitting at home in a lawn chair. We already talked about that. He's prowling around looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Again, this ties into that idea of persecution, right? Some of the seed, it got choked out. They, they just like, whoa, this is way harder than I thought it was gonna be. Peter is writing to people who are actively being persecuted because of their faith. And he's like, no, stand firm, resist the devil. And Paul writes this, this is probably a familiar passage. In Ephesians 6, he says, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. So we see this, this soil has this resistance to the devil as well. And finally, uh, this characteristic is that it bears fruit. It bears fruit. He says, man, you've got this crop that's 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Jesus says in Matthew 7, he says, you'll recognize them by their what? 
Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? No, I'm asking you guys. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? No, 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 they're not. <clears throat> or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. So a good tree can't produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their, by their fruit. Jesus says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Now all of these things, right? this, this tilling up of the soil, that's Holy Spirit. Right, this ability to recognize the Lordship, that surrender to what Holy Spirit points out in us. When, when there's a discrepancy between my life and the life Jesus calls me to, Holy Spirit shines the light on that and, it, and, and it's saying, okay, you're right, I've got to change. Right, this endurance that we talk about, this isn't just you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, like willpower, I'm going to get this going. This is Holy Spirit. It's, it's recognizing every day that I have to be dependent on Holy Spirit to get me through today. I need to be dependent on Holy Spirit to get me through tomorrow. It is through his power that we endure. How do we resist the world? Through the power of Holy Spirit. Are you guys picking up a theme here? How does the <laughs> Holy Spirit is key. How do we resist the devil? Through those truths that Holy Spirit brings to mind through the scripture holy spirit brings to mind and then we bear fruit now you could go a couple of different ways with this on the one hand you could point to galatians 5 where we read about the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control these are things that should kind of be the the standard in our lives right because this is what holy spirit grows he grows those things in us. So you've got fruit in that sense. But if you look at other teachings Jesus did on the kingdom, actually, if you go a little bit further in Mark chapter four, you'll see him talk about the kingdom of God. And he uses this image of a mustard seed. He says it's this itty bitty thing, but it actually gets to be something pretty big. Right? And, and he's saying, man, this, this, the, the principle in the kingdom is you've got something that might not seem like much. Right? I mean, Jesus is walking around with 12 dudes. And here we are a couple thousand years later, and there are millions of Christians all around the world. People that are like, yep, man, I want to follow Jesus. Right? You take something itty-bitty, and it goes big. That's a kingdom principle. The kingdom operates on exponential growth. So that, that comes back to us, though, when we talk about us and whether or not we're bearing fruit. I think there's an evangelistic component to that. Have I multiplied myself? Right? One of our, our uh, aspects of our mission statement here at Radio Life Church is, is making disciples who make disciples who make disciples who, who make disciples. Right? Like it's this ongoing thing. Right? We should always be uh, sowing into uh, other people to help them in their walk as well. But I want to ask the question, right, as we look at these, these characteristics of soil, and I'm going to, I'm going to invite the, the worship team up. I just want us to take a few moments here together this morning and, and kind of do a little bit of a, an inventory 
right? As you, as you look at these things, whether you jotted them down, whether you took a picture, whatever, or you just have a good memory, like, how's your soil? If those are things that, that characterize good soil, how are you doing on that? Do you allow Holy Spirit to, to churn up the dirt as he desires? How receptive are you to the, the word of God, whether it's in your chair time, whether it's uh, when it's presented from uh, the platform here, whether you hear it from some of the, whatever. Wherever your source of the word is, how receptive to that are you? Right, because that's, that's one of those things where it's, it's, that's good soil. How well do you do resisting the world? Is your life shaped more by the news that you watch or by the scriptures that you read? How well do you resist the devil? Are there places where you've chosen to live into a lie rather than grab a hold of the truth that Jesus brings us to set us free? How's your soil? Do you bear fruit? Can you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control growing within you? Can the people around you see those things growing within you? And how do you handle trials? How do you handle difficulties? Not necessarily that you're persecuted for your faith, right? Because most of us don't. That's not our experience. But with general difficulties in life, how do you, how do you approach those? Are, they, are those things that just shake your faith to its core? Or are you able to hang on to who God is in the midst of those things? How's your soil? Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.